Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 12th chapter. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who sent me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich towards God. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And how much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you are to eat, what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So I've been pretty busy lately storing up treasures. It's late summer, a time of year for canning and preserving the bounty of the summer for, dare I say, the long winter months ahead. I've been teaching my sons how to transform fresh tomatoes into salsa, pasta sauce, tomato juice, 
Together, last week, we converted an entire flat of raspberries into jam. So far this year, we have frozen 50 pints of sweet corn. They have learned the process from shucking to freezing, with me literally saying to them, do not waste a single kernel because this stuff is worth its weight in gold, and it is. Because after all, a hungry belly cannot eat a bar of gold. Peaches from the farmer's market are now peach pies, nestled safely in my freezer, jars of applesauce, spiced apples line the shelves, the product of early summer apples. As each jar pops and seals, I always wonder to myself, who will open this jar and who will share in its contents? Will it be an occasion of celebration or grief? Will it be a ravenous cross-country team? Or a baby's first applesauce? Or a neighbor whose mother has passed away? Or a hungry campus ministry student? Or some unknown person at the dozens of potlucks, block parties, and team meals that this upcoming year most certainly will bring? Whose arms will receive those peach pies? baked golden brown, or a lasagna drenched in this red sauce? Will it be to celebrate a newborn baby or mark the death of a loved one? The fascinating thing for me about canning is while it is aesthetically beautiful, with the contents of each jar glistening in the clear glass, it is goodness. At the peak of its season, frozen in time, sealed up tight until unknown hands open it up. It is bounty. It is abundance. It is hope captured in a clear glass jar. I think of times back in Calamus, my former rural parish, and the women who taught me to can and preserve and freeze for the winter months, farm women, whose farm mothers taught them, not out of hobby, but out of necessity. And I think of the dozen years when I pressure-cooked beef stew and chili and chicken and rice soup to take to the recent widowers in town so that these elderly and grieving men, alone after 60 years of marriage, might have a homemade meal and I think of my young sons trudging with me through the deep snow to deliver beef stew, applesauce, canned peaches to folks like Doc Voida or Dick Johnson, packed tightly in Christmas boxes. I think of the joy I felt then and now of peeling each tomato, each apple, each peach for the enjoyment of some other person. Maybe I know them, maybe I don't, hoping that when they open the jar of whatever they are opening, they might have some joy. And I recall the year that Thelma Brait died, and I inherited her four dozen jars of sour cherry jam, my absolute favorite, which I used to bid on every single year during the Calamus Fun Days raffle, and no one ever outbid me. 
I was overjoyed to receive this largesse, except by the time I received the coveted sour cherry jam, it had gone bad. Thank you for sharing in my sadness. <laughs> it was brown, it was rancid, having been tucked away in her cellar for 15 years, and I distinctly remember pouring out the contents of each jar slowly and grieving the waste, not only of the fruit itself, but the waste that no one ever got to open this jar when the jam was at its best. To gather is a human instinct that runs deeply in all of us. To stash away, to save for later, going way back to our hunter-gatherer ancestors of the Stone Age. My grandfather was a child of the Depression, and after he died, we discovered in his study dozens and dozens of half-eaten candy bars and tiny little bags of candy tucked between and behind books, which he had cashed away for later because he could not imagine ever eating an entire candy bar at a single sitting when some could be saved for later, leaner times. Human instinct and self-preservation wants to ensure that there is something for the future, as best as our means allow, so that we have something saved up for tomorrow in our barns, whether that be money, knowledge, wisdom, experience, food, or grain, as in the case of this morning's gospel, and that prosperous man, but before we villainize him too much, let's instead identify ourselves with him as representative of basic human instinct that drives us to gather, the common denominator, perhaps, of all humanity, from pygmy hunter-gatherer tribes in the Congo to those of us here today with freezers and pantries. A second harder to hear truth is that whether we stash away a single dollar or a million dollars, whether it's a single jar of applesauce or an entire orchard, it all means nothing when we die. Visualize the man's barns filled with rotting grain or Thelma Brate's spoiled sour cherry jam to store up things for ourselves then is foolish or vanity, as the teacher in Ecclesiastes explains to us, because we all know that you can't take it with you unless you were old Bud Peterson back in Calamus, who insisted on being buried with a pack of Marlboros in his left breast pocket because he was adamant that he could, in fact, take it with him. So let's consider this story of the man and his barns differently. Is he to be faulted for storing up things, or is the problem that he stores up things for himself? After all, storing up things for others, well, that's a different thing altogether. The fault of this man in today's gospel, then, isn't that he prospered, 
and stored up his wealth and abundance is that he did so with no thought of neighbor or God. To store up anything, money, knowledge, wisdom, experience, food, land, is vanity. Unless we do so with the thought of neighbor. And who is my neighbor but every single human being, whether living, dead, or unborn? To gather solely for self is vanity. To gather for neighbor for the sake of sharing is God-pleasing and a beautiful thing. Therefore, have no fear in excelling, prospering, gathering things. Do so fervently, robustly even, recalling Jesus' challenge that when someone has much, much will be required. And let's hear Jesus' challenge to think of self last and neighbor first. For what good is it for me to have 12 blankets if a migrant child in Texas sleeps on concrete? What good is it for my fridge to dispense pure drinking water if our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia thirst? What does it profit me to hide 48 jars of precious sour cherry jam, which I am still not over, <laughs> that no one will ever get to taste on their morning toast? How does it profit the world if I sleep safely in my bed while others are gunned down? in California, Texas, and Ohio, and that is just this past week. What good does my knowledge do if not shared in a lab report, a book, or an article? What good does my courage do if not shared in protest and advocacy? What good does my artistic talent do if not shared with the world in painting, sculpture, poem? What good is my life experience if not shared with a child who won't listen anyway, but at least you can say you tried. <laughs> Just kidding, they listen. Our holy calling then in following Christ is to not store up for the sake of storing, but for the sake of sharing, even beyond giving, living for the sake of others. The second half of this morning's gospel wasn't supposed to be included. I included it because it completes the thought that goes through verse 21. When Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat and drink, what you will wear, he's not talking to the poor, where they have every reason to worry about what they will eat, drink, and wear. For how can any Christian with good conscience tell a homeless or hungry person, you know what, don't worry about it. Don't worry about food or clothes. God will take care of you, just like God takes care of the birds. Best of luck to you. The therefore is directed towards those with full barns, which is most of us. With retirement accounts and pantries and three-car garages and closets stuffed with clothes and with shoes. Those with abundance to look for every opportunity to share whatever it is that we store in our barns with those who have no barns at all, much less bounty, and to do so without a self-righteous smile or a condescending pat on the shoulder, but instead a genuine human-to-human -human hug with love and empathy, brother-to-brother -brother and sister-to-sister. There is such 
goodness and joy in this gospel. It is such a far cry from the finger pointing of you better not save up anything while we all secretly and guiltily do the same thing. The impetus here is on the turning outward, the opening up of life and self to throw open your barn doors to the neighbor and say what's mine is yours. To live life as a continual open house, sharing your resources, your wisdom, your gifts, your knowledge. After all, what if we all lived our lives like sealed up jars so that no one could ever savor our true selves? What a tragedy that would be for the world not to know, not partake in the things you have so carefully stored up, not only in the bank account, the pantry, the closet, but also the treasures that you have stored up in your mind, in your soul, and in your heart. Doesn't creation yearn to know the treasures that lie so beautifully sealed up within you? And do you not yearn to be known? Do you not long to share what you have and who you are with neighbor, with self, for God's sake? Isn't it worth the risk to open the seal, to pour yourself out for the world to know, to celebrate you? to love you, for you are most certainly worth that celebration and love. For what if Jesus had kept his goodness sealed up for only himself? What if the riches of healing and forgiveness and mercy had never been shared with another living soul? What if salvation had not been poured out upon all people from the cross? What if Jesus had kept all of that goodness for himself? But Jesus was not a container of grace, a jar sealed up tight, hidden away in the pantry for no one to open like that sour cherry jam that I'm still not over. On the contrary, Jesus revealed himself to all people, opened himself up, poured himself out, emptying himself for the sake of the world so that every single living being might feast upon him and no goodness and be filled with life. 